There's something new in the world of gynecology, and it's one of the fastest growing fields in women's health. It's called cosmetic gynecology, and today we'll find out what it is, why it's needed, what the benefits are, and more with Dr. Marco Pelosi III, founder of the International Society of Cosmetogynecology, or ISCG, and the Pelosi Medical Center. This is Top Docs Podcast. I'm your host, Maggie McKay. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Pelosi. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me on. I am Marco Pelosi III. I am a gynecologist. I trained in Manhattan in the mid-1990s. And in the late 1990s, we started getting into cosmetic surgery. We started with gynecology procedures, expanded into body contouring, but we're really well-known for our focus on teaching in cosmetic gynecology. So we pretty much were the leaders in the field on the East Coast. Over time, as the internet started to evolve, the word started to get out, and people started to take a keen interest in this because it, it addresses things that normally weren't being addressed in the field of gynecology. They were lifestyle issues, sexual things that didn't quite meet the level of a medical problem, but they were more or less just a lifestyle issue. Lousy sex, didn't like the way the area looked in a bikini or naked. And as women were finding out that these problems had solutions and that they could actually do something about them rather than being just disappointed, it began to take off and other gynecologists wanted to get in on the action. And through my efforts, through our society's efforts, and through the efforts of other doctors in similar uh, teaching venues with similar experiences, this whole thing has spread worldwide so that now it's not uncommon to see it on television, mentioned on social media, even at party conversations, people talking about things like vaginal rejuvenation and everything along those lines. I can't imagine cocktail hour talking about that, but maybe with doctors, right? First off, what is cosmetogynecology? Well, cosmetogynecology in basic terms is just gynecologists doing cosmetic surgical procedures on women. And since we're gynecologists, we have special expertise in the genital area, in the vagina, the vulva, the labia, and the mons pubis. So our version of cosmetogynecology might include liposuction and tummy tucks and boob jobs, but it always includes a strong focus on the genital area. So when you come to see a cosmetic gynecologist, you expect to see all of these procedures on the menu, and maybe some of them also expand into body contouring, BBLs, and, and tummy tucks and such. But the core of it, what distinguishes cosmetic gynecology from other specialties that do gynecology is that focus on that female pelvic area. And you mentioned a little bit of why you created the ISCG, but what is the ISCG and a little more on why it was created? We initially started doing these procedures on our own. We got training from dermatologists and plastic surgeons in the United States and South America because we took an interest in it. And as we were going to gynecology meetings, we'd meet people who say, oh, I have a friend here. I have a friend there. You would you should meet them and, and train with them. So we did. And as we started to go to more meetings and people were asking us, what are you doing these days? We would say, oh, we're doing this and we're also doing a vaginoplasty. We're tightening the vagina. We're doing labia. We're doing liposuction. So after a few years of this, we said, you know what? We're getting so many requests from people to 
learn what we're doing, that we should start a teaching society. And the industry jumped on board with us because they were trying to get gynecologists into cosmetic procedures in general. And when they went to a gynecology meeting and dragged in a famous plastic surgeon, the gynecologist couldn't relate to that plastic surgeon because it wasn't a gynecologist or she wasn't a gynecologist. So once we became involved with this, there was that connection. They, the gynecologist would say, oh, you're one of us and you're doing this. So it's feasible to do this in, in a gynecologic practice. Tell us what it's like and show us how to do it. So that's how we got started. And as time went on, obviously other specialists from other specialties would ask us if we could train them in, in these procedures. And we said, sure. So that's how the society grew. And we've been doing this now since 2004, giving courses throughout the year in our home base in New Jersey, as well as our teaching facility down in Florida. We have a, uh, a company we work with down in Fort Lauderdale where we teach people on cadavers so they can actually do the surgery from beginning to end all by themselves without any fear of damaging anything and with close surveillance by myself and my team. And what's the appeal of cosmetic gynecology to women and to physicians? Well, to women, it solves lifestyle issues that normal gynecology doesn't. And it allows them to fix a problem that they may have, they may have been having for years. As time has gone on, for whatever reason, it's become a trend to look good naked down there. It was never a big deal. When I was growing up and when I was training in the 90s, there wasn't that much of a focus on the genital area. It was just something that just, I guess, you know, shaving became big. And once shaving became big, people were looking at the area and saying, oh, you know, I can see this. So now I have an opinion about it. And if I don't like the way it looks, well, I, I found on social media, because that wasn't around either, you know, that I can talk to other people who have had procedures done and I can form an opinion as to whether I want something done or not. And even see before and afters, whereas before, the only way to see these things would be to go to an actual cosmetic gynecologist if you could even find one. Exactly. And what about, what's the appeal to physicians? Well, for physicians, it is a direct business with the patient. Rather than going through insurance companies and providers and just looking for a provider on your list is basically just a number connecting to a number. The patient has a number, the physician has a number, problem has a number. You know, none of these things are direct patient to doctor interactions. There's always a third party involved. It's more direct patient care, which is sort of what, what patients want for these intimate issues. They don't want to be dealing with just some random quote-unquote provider. They, they want to talk to a specialist who's going to take the time to listen to their concerns, take the time to examine them, take the time to really get into a detailed discussion that you really can't do in a conventional medical setting where it's more of you're on the clock for X number of minutes before you have to move on to the next patient. Dr. Pelosi, are there any controversies around cosmetic gynecology? Oh, there's always controversies, especially since it's a relatively new field. The conventional gynecologists like to complain that there's no randomized studies for whatever they do. If you want to open your car door, if there's not a randomized study that says you should use your left hand or your right hand, they complain about that. So when it comes to uh, cosmetic procedures, they just don't get cosmetics. The academic gynecologic societies have never been in the aesthetic field. So when they look at something, they, they look at it as if it doesn't have a medical disease, if it's not cancer, you shouldn't touch it. But in the field of aesthetics, as you know, everything that we work on is normal, whether it's a nose, whether it's boobs, whether it's a tummy, or whether it's the vaginal area, it's normal. 
but it's not in that part of the normal range that the patient is looking for. Patient with a big nose, that's a normal nose. They just don't want it that big. They want it a little smaller. Patient with a flat chest, that's normal. They just want it a little bigger. So bigger and smaller issues also apply in, in the genital areas. Looseness and tightness issues also apply in the genital area. So it might be normal for the vagina to be a little loose, but maybe the patient doesn't like it in the degree of looseness that it is and wants it a little bit tighter. They have issues with all of that stuff and they just don't get aesthetics. That it's a patient request for something that's normal to be adjusted to another spot of the normal range. I call it the ideal range. You know, you're in a certain range, but you want to be in the ideal range. You don't like how long your hair is. That's not a medical problem, but if you cut the hair to a certain length, some people are happy. Some people want it a different way. Right. And what types of procedures fall within the scope of cosmetogynecology? Well, let's go from top to bottom. The top would be the mons area, the pubic area, the area where you see uh, C-section. That area is called the mons, and it's a fat pad. And if that fat pad is a little full, it bulges a little too much in the bikini, it drives some women crazy because they think they look like a guy. So they want it flattened down. It can be flatter and it can be saggy. And then when it's saggy, it does the same thing. It just doesn't look right in tight clothing. And they say, I want this not to be so saggy. So they want to have a Mons lift. If it's too full, they want to have a Mons liposuction. And as you work your way down from there, you get to the vulva, the labia majora. Same thing. They can be too saggy. They want them not to be saggy. They can be too flat. They want them to be a little fuller. We get a lot of people that are, we call them fit and 40. So they're in their 40s and they're in the gym all the time. So they have a six pack. They're ripped. You know, they have all the muscle definition. But when you get to that level of leanness in your 40s, your face gets ripped too. I said, nobody wants a six pack on their face. There's just too many lines. And the same thing happens in the vaginal area. Nobody wants this thing looking deflated because when it deflates, it wrinkles. Nobody likes wrinkles. They want smoothness. So we plump them up to eliminate the wrinkles. That's called the labia majora fat transfer. They also call it labia majora puffing. And that's a very popular term for it on, on the internet and all over social media. So we get requests all the time from all over the place for people that want puffing. And that's exactly what they're looking for. Some people have lost a ton of weight. And when you lose a ton of weight down there, everything sags. So we actually have to do a nip and a tuck and cut some of that skin away and tighten it up because that's the only way to get it to do that when you have that situation. Some people have long labia minora. So the inner lips are a little too long, which is normal, but it can be painful if it gets dragged around when you're riding a bike, having sex, wearing tight clothing, or you're involved with other sports where they're getting tugged on and abraded all the time. And it's a problem that doesn't go away because they don't get shorter on their own. They just keep getting tugged and tugged and tugged. The more they get tugged, they get even longer. So we do labia minora reductions, which are called labiaplasties. In the vaginal opening, the, the vaginal canal can be open at the opening. That's called the introitus. The outer opening is called the introitus. And Tightening that by itself is called an introitoplasty or a perineoplasty because the tightening is done at the bottom half of that, and the bottom half is called the perineum. So tightening that up is called a perineoplasty. The uh, inner canal is the true vagina. So when you ask a gynecologist, what's the vagina? They just say it's just the inside part. 
And tightening that is called a vaginoplasty, but it's almost always done with the tightening of the opening because nobody wants to be loose at the opening and tight on the inside. They want to be tight on the outside and tight on the inside when they seek out these procedures. That kind of situation arises mostly from childbirth. Not always, but mostly. So if you push a baby out, that big head coming through does a lot of damage to the ligaments and to the muscle attachments. So much that even if the baby is small, even if the muscles are in good shape, they're just so stretched out and dislocated that not even the world's most intense Kegel exercises will fix it. So that's where we come in with our surgical tightening procedures. Other things you can do in there, the skin of the vagina can dry out in the menopause because the hormone levels change. So on the non-surgical side, there's a whole host of procedures, non-surgical energy-based devices like lasers, radio frequency, ultrasonic heat to tighten the vaginal skin and to rejuvenate the ability of that skin to stay moist and elastic. So there's a whole field of non-surgical treatments for that. There's also treatments to increase the sensitivity of the clitoral area. They have the G-shot, they have the O-shot, they have all kinds of combinations of G-shots, O-shots, O-shots, G-shots, and combine that with the lasers, combine it with the non-surgical, even with the surgical. So there's a whole spectrum of procedures, surgical and non-surgical, and those are the highlights of cosmetic gynecology. I was going to say, who knew it covered so much ground? My goodness. So you did touch on it a little bit, but just in a nutshell, tell me a little bit more about the International Society of Cosmetogynecology. What types of doctors do you train and what types of training do you offer? Well, we started out initially, believe it or not, even though we're cosmetic gynecology, and I just told you about all that vaginal stuff that we do, we originally started training people in liposuction because it was one of the procedures that's easy to get into. It's, it's not technically challenging. It's more of an art. Think of it as like learning to drive a car and then learning to drive that car on all terrains in different areas. Once you're good at the basic mechanics of liposuction on easy parts of the body to work on, you can work all over the body with a little bit more experience. So we started training people, mostly gynecologists, in liposuction. From there, we started training them in, in the cosmetic vaginal procedures. But initially, we were just going to gynecology meetings along with the industry people. So we were pretty much just recruiting gynecologists. We weren't advertising to anyone else, and we weren't really looking for anyone else because there were plenty of gynecologists. And we said, you know what? There's just not enough room in this facility to train more than the people that are coming in just as gynecologists. And we would, back then, you advertise in the journals because there was no internet. So our first couple of years, it was 90% gynecologists and a couple of tag-alongs like general surgeons and family practice that happened to know gynecologists and they would come together because they were friends. And then it really took off in all specialties because we started advertising on the internet when the internet became a thing. And remember that the iPhone didn't come out until 2007. YouTube had just come out in 2006. Facebook and all that stuff was all brand new and nobody had a good phone until you had to replace your phone. So I think until about 2008, you could advertise your guts out on the internet, but nobody would find you. So as that started to become a thing, and as younger doctors started to get to the age where they were looking for postgraduate training, those people were mostly phone savvy and internet savvy. Then people started to find us, uh, on Google, because Google didn't exist either. So once once Google came out, they started to find us on Google. So we started advertising all over the place. And now we draw from everywhere. We train people in New Jersey. We train them in liposuction, tummy tucks, and cosmetic breast surgery. 
And down in Florida, we trained them on cosmetic vaginal procedures. Liposuction and, and, and body contouring procedures are big procedures. So you can get a lot of people around a table. You can get them involved. They can see everything that's going on, whereas a vagina is a small area. And if you get more than yourself and another person, so the, the trainer and the student, you really can't fit anybody in there. So when you try to do a training course where you have a trainer and more than one person between the patient's knees, there's just no room. So if you have a whole crowd, they're really spectators, and that's not really conducive to good training. So we were, for years, trying to find a place where we could do cadaver training in a good environment and high quality. We found this company down in Florida that we've been working with for regular gynecology for years. They do medical instruments, and they do cadaver training. So we did a one-off course just to see if it would be any good, and it was fantastic because we said, we're only going to have two trainees on each cadaver, because that's all you can fit between the knees. And luckily, we got a cadaver, and they give you cadavers without the thighs. So you can fit maybe a third person. But we said, no, we don't want that. We want two people maximum on a cadaver, and we're going to go through every single operation in cosmetic gynecology. So what we did initially is we got cadavers of our own, and we did the surgeries, and we filmed them step by step by step by step. So now we had a training video. So we would set up a training video in the cadaver lab on this massive TV screen, like a jumbotron, and we would break it down into step one, step two, step three. So we play them step one, two or three times. And then we said, all right, guys, each of you pair up into teams and go on your cadavers and do what you just saw. And then we do like musical chairs. We tell people in the other stations to go to the other cadaver, take a look at what the other people did. And it's going to be a slightly different anatomy, and it's going to be slightly different work, so you get to see a little bit of variety. We found that that was the best way to train people because they really got their hands on. Once you're holding and touching and doing, you get that mind-hand coordination, the muscle memory, the mind-body connection. You really learn, sort of like learning golf. I could talk golf and I could watch golf, but that's not going to make me a better golfer until I actually get those sticks and swing them because then I get the feel. Like I say, oh. This is what you mean. Oh, I see why it looks easy, but it's not easy. And they really focus and, and drill down to uh, the essential elements, which is different for every person. Right. And I hear you have the 2024 World Congress coming up in March for ISCG. What's that all about? And how do doctors sign up? We have a website. Our main website is iscgmedia.com. And on there, we have pages devoted to the World Congress. We have pages devoted to all of our training programs. We have a blog, all kinds of stuff. And we usually start advertising these things in September for the meetings, which we usually have in March. And this year's meeting is, I believe, March 9, 10, 11. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Fort Lauderdale. And what we do is we have the first day and the third day devoted almost exclusively to cosmetic gynecology topics where we're focusing on the vagina, the vulva, and all of the genital region. We also include some cosmetic urology lectures because it's just equal time for the guys because you know we're, we're fixing women, so we want both sides to get uh, a little bit of attention. And a lot of cosmetic urologists are also interested in the cosmetic gynecology and vice versa. And then in the middle day, we have a full day devoted to body contouring and business. 
because this is the stuff that most cosmetic gynecologists don't see in meetings that are exclusively devoted to the vaginal area. And this also allows body contouring specialists like plastics and cosmetic surgeons who don't do a lot in the genital area to learn from each other. So everybody gets a taste of something they don't normally do. And it's a great synergy there. It really exposes docs to different techniques, different technologies, and different specialties. And they also make a lot of very, very uh, fruitful uh, networking connections. So one of the unique features that we have in the meeting is I get the leaders in cosmetic social media. So I get Dr. Miami, real Dr. Feelgood. I also get Dr. High Def. These guys each are like number one, number two, and number three in the world on Instagram, TikTok, all over the place. We have Dr. Miami do a live broadcast from there. He does like a little video with one of his social media people, and they blast it out on the internet instantly, and you see all the views explode. And nobody does that in a medical conference because it's just not medical. It's, it's more of entertainment. But this is how people get patients. And when we actually show them in action, they go nuts. And it's very, very interesting to see that even though it's entertaining, there's a lot of science behind it. There's a lot of strategy behind it. And there's a lot of nuance to it. And people gain so much from this that they really appreciate it because you can't get it anywhere else. And we jam that into that second day where we have the body contouring and business aspects of aesthetics. Because as getting patients for aesthetics is all about getting attention because you're not a guy on a list from an insurance company. You're not a woman on a list from an insurance company. You're a personality putting out work and you want to attract people. And that's all about getting attention. So when you have the people that are the best at it teach you their tips and tricks, it's really valuable information. That's one of the keys that makes this meeting so, so valuable. And we keep it small. We, we cap it at about 250 people because we want to get people that are super motivated to attend. We don't want somebody that's just going to go home and just say, yeah, it was nice and not do anything about it. We want people that are going to like explode and burst into flames in excitement that they're getting this the juicy information that they can't get anywhere else. I invite anyone who's interested in this to, to come on down. It, it's a good old time. Florida in March, great weather, no hurricanes. and it's awesome. We, we, we love it down there. It is beautiful. That's for sure. So Dr. Pelosi, is there anything else you'd like to add in closing that we didn't cover? Well, I think we hit all of the highlights. I think that if there are gynecologists out there who are not sure whether they should get into aesthetics or not, they should at least drop by to our basic liposuction course. It's not intimidating. It gets your feet wet in the most popular aesthetic surgical procedure on the planet. And it's the type of procedure that is well-suited to the office setting. So you can come over, you can see what we do. We could talk about cosmetic gynecology, and then you could, if you really wanted to get down and dirty with the labiaplasties and all that stuff, you could visit us down in Florida. We give our uh, cadaver course down in Florida right before the World Congress, and we also give it throughout the year two or three times. Our, our next one is going to be October 13, 14 which is a good time of the year to be down in Florida also. It's, uh, it's not really hurricane season, and it's still nice. It's still warm down there. So if you catch us in October, you can get tan. If you catch us in uh, March, you can get tan. But more importantly, you're going to get some, some top-notch training to get you focused and get you on track 
to really turn your, your practice around. If you think that regular medicine is kind of boring and it's really putting in a lot of hours and not getting a lot out of it, this is going to make your head spin. It's going to change your life. And you're really going to be so grateful that you got into it when you did. So again, if anyone would like to find out more, you can go to iscgmedia.com. Dr. Pelosi, thank you so much for telling us about this option in women's health. I had no idea there were so many things that it encompassed. We appreciate you being here and sharing your expertise. Maggie, it's been a pleasure, and I hope you come down to Florida and see what we're doing during the annual meeting. Again, that's Dr. Marco Pelosi III, and if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out our entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is Top Docs Podcast. I'm Maggie McKay. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.